Warning, this episode contains discussion of mental health, self-harm, suicide, and suicidal ideation. If you or a loved one are in crisis, contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255, or the crisis text line at 741-741. Hey, uh, Sam, how you doing? Uh, how's, uh, how's everything going out there in, uh, at Bates College in uh, Woburn, Massachusetts? Everything's been going well. It's been, been an interesting year for sure. But, uh, but yeah, just kind of going with the flow and, and, and taking every day as they come. Well, I want to welcome you to the Living Undeterred podcast. Uh, this is kind of a new venture for me. Uh, the podcast world is a whole different world. I know you've been a guest on, on many, many shows, but hosting one is a completely different animal. <laughs> um, but I do appreciate you hooking up with me. And I think, um, today what I'd like to do, obviously the title living undeterred, uh, was, um, came up in my mind to try to have guests on that demonstrate or live an undeterred ideology or, or methodology. I, you've been through something traumatic or you're dealing with a personal event. And you found a way to persevere. You found a way to, to live your life undeterred. Not that, not that you and I don't have our bad moments, uh, our bad days, which, which I can only speak for me. I still do. Um, but we're trying to keep the, the intensity or the time of our bad moments to a minimum. So I'd like to have you tell me a little bit about why you're on my show. Why is this 19-year-old kid in college <laughs> going to be educating us on some of the really big problems out there with mental health. And uh, with that, um, I'll sit back and let you introduce yourself and then we'll just kind of we'll just kind of go where we go, okay? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, like Jeff mentioned, uh, my name is Sam Gary. I'm 19 years old. I'm a freshman at Bates College in Lewiston, Maine, but I live just outside Boston in, in Woburn, Massachusetts. Um, and my story has a lot to do with depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. Um, in 2016, when I was in eighth grade, was the first time uh, I recognized early symptoms of depression, and for that, it it was a loss of passion for golf. Um, at the time, I kind of just assumed it was burnout. I mean, I had been playing so much golf for so long that it it kind of made sense, and I decided to let it simmer, um, or or tried to to let it simmer, uh, but that kind of backfired on me and. And the other symptoms that that commonly come along with depression hit me really hard. Um, you know, this loss of passion for golf led to a, um, you know, a, a loss of of passion for essentially everything I did, and and I eventually lost my desire to live. Um, and that's when the the suicidal ideation hit pretty hard, uh, especially making that transition into high school, coming from from eighth grade. Um, since uh, since then, I, it's been kind of on and off with uh, depressive and uh, episodes with with suicidal ideation. And um, in 2018 was uh, early 2018 was when I decided to start the Leadership Links uh, fundraiser through the American Junior Golf Association. Um, and it kind of took off from there. I, you know, I, I really didn't hold anything back in that um, in kind of the, the fundraising essay paragraph type thing they have us do and uh 
uh, and and it kind of caught wind both in my community, um, my local community as a whole, and in the golf community around the country, which is really really special. Um, since then, I've uh, been in an article on Golf Digest, been on the Golf Channel, and um, and just this past year, I've uh, started my own nonprofit, uh, Kick It for a, a Cause Incorporated, in in Massachusetts, Massachusetts, uh, with my with my best friend Noah which has been so much fun um, being able to have a, a charity kickball tournament benefiting the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention um, uh, and, and working essentially just to, to raise awareness for suicide prevention and, and psychological disorders um, essentially as, as far and wide as we can. I, I think for me, meeting you a few years back, the stigma, again, I was on a, I, I still am on a, on a passionate mission to talk about addiction, substance abuse, and mental health. And the uh, stigma out there with these things uh, is enormous. And so what I'm trying to do is educate people, uh, keep this in in the forefront of our conversations. Um, But you know, one thing I write about in my book, um, which you are a a feature in the book, and I actually um, am gonna revert to it in a few seconds and and read a a passage in there that that I Mm -hmm. took from you, but, you know, looking at the book, I make a comment about sometimes the people that are battling these issues are the ones that you least expect. Now, just looking at you, you look articulate, you dressed well, you, I mean, you speak articulate, you're dressed well, you look like someone that really has everything going for them. Like, like, wow, how can I feel sorry for Sam? I mean, he's good looking, he's smart, he's golfer, he's, but then again, that's the front that a lot of us walk around in our lives with and people don't really see what's behind there. And I'll give you an example, Sam, just this week, just this week, I have a friend of mine that I've known 52 years old. She died. I don't know the circumstances, but at 52 in decent health, uh, you kind of have to speculate, but I'm not sure what happened there. Um, I also met someone that their best friend shot themselves. And then their other friend was at a funeral that same day for an uncle that hung themselves at 62 years old. So this is just, you know, literally a 48 hour time span here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where I've had three incidences of death, two for certain were, uh, were suicide. The other one, you know, could have been an overdose, could have been suicide, but you know, a healthy person at 52, that that's kind of raises some red flags. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not getting any better. And, you know, we have a really tough world we live in. It was hard before COVID. It was hard before the election, you know, all these things that we've had that have been added to our stresses. So did it take a lot of hesitation for you to come out and talk about this? I mean, I'm writing a blog currently uh, talking about my vulnerability. And at times I feel like I'm telling my story too often. And I run the risk of, I say, feeding the beast subconsciously by just Mm -hmm. talking about it. So do you ever fear or do, did you have reservations when you first came out and, and said, hey, um, I've thought about suicide. I mean, was that something that you really, really said, hey, mom and dad, I don't I don't think I want to do this or I'm OK doing it? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think when I when I was first kind of gathering my my thoughts and and getting my story together for the AJGA uh, and leadership links, it took me it took me about six months just to kind of make the decision that I wanted to go through with it. Um, I'm not going to lie. I intentionally didn't tell my parents because I, obviously they're, they're very protective and, and 
they want what's best for me and and right. any person in the right mind would would have the instinct it's like are you are you sure you want to do this so um and it's obviously it's it's still something that i struggle with today um you know especially with like i really like that you know the point of sometimes i almost feel like i'm sharing my story too much and mm-hmm. and it's it's changing my identity and and how people view me um and it's it's something that i think about often and and i i have a lot of regrets um i don't at all regret that that i have shared my story um and and quite frankly a lot of times it's irrational regrets after like i share a post and i'm like oh should i have done that should i not have right. done that um but i i absolutely 110 percent all the time think you know what are people going to think of me um am i going to be seen as as some sort of coward for having mental illness just because of the stigma that's out there or um you know am i am i making myself too vulnerable to the point where it's not even vulnerability anymore it's just it it comes across as attention seeking it's it's an interesting dynamic that's that can be really difficult to navigate um but it's something that i've uh i've i've gotten pretty good at, at pushing through over the past few years it can it can almost become an addiction in itself and, and that's that's my blog I'm writing right now. It's called The Addiction to My Vulnerability. Um, you know, I think when I before I met you, I, I obviously was very familiar with the concept of suicide because after uh, after our son died, Seth, uh, I never considered suicide, but I thought that that was a logical progression mm-hmm. where I was heading. Yeah. And, you know, the first year after he died, I went I went backwards pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, I can honestly tell you, I never sat around thinking I was going to kill myself, but I just kind of thought, well, the, the road I'm on right now, I'm, I've got this perception out there that I'm tough and strong and everyone thinks, wow, this is heroic what Jeff's doing. But behind the scenes, I was really finding a lot of uh, a lack of strength. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, was try- I was searching for this huge well I could tap that would give me this extra superpower energy and I couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. And um, to be quite honest with you, when I started the Leadership Links program with Ian, and I think maybe we can take a second and and let the the people watching this or listening to this uh, kind of see where you and I actually met yeah. was through the American Junior Golf Association, mm-hmm. which is a absolutely phenomenal. Matter of fact, right behind me, if you notice, I've got the yeah. one of the checks that we gave on our original fundraiser, and that was in. Uh, 12, 14 of 17. So that was, that was only three months after Seth died. Wow. And, and, um, we had raised some money. I'm sorry. That was a year and that would be about 15 months. Yeah. Um, uh, but we did a GoFundMe that I was thinking of that we raised early on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, so AJGA American junior golf association is a, is a high, high caliber, high level, probably the most uh, reputable junior golf program in the United States. Mm-hmm. And to get into tournaments is hard. I mean, you have to develop stars. You have to get, you know, yeah. kind of a resume built up. You just can't write a check and playing a tournament. Absolutely. And so, you know, you had played some AJGA. Ian's has played some AJGAs. And I remember an individual, but her name was Beth Doctor. Mm-hmm. And she was in charge and still is in charge of the AJGA. And they offer a program called Leadership Links, which is just an awesome idea to allow kids like you and Ian mm-hmm. to 
embrace a, 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 a passion on, on something that they're, 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 they're very interested in. And in our case, it was raising awareness for addiction, substance abuse, um, and to honor our son, Seth, who died of a heroin overdose uh, in 2016. Years was to raise awareness uh, and funds to, um, you know, mental health issues, specifically yeah. su suicidal ideation. So that, that's how we met. And I just became out of, you know, I met a lot of people through, through leadership links. Mm -hmm. Still amazed that Ian actually won, uh, especially <laughs> over someone like you. Um, won the, uh, the Jerry Cole Sportsmanship Award. I, I'm still just flabbergasted that he did that. Um, because personally, I think everybody, all you guys, are, all you guys and gals are winners. Yeah, um, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity what you guys did. That's how we met. So, uh, mm -hmm. and then from there, I reached out to you and interviewed you in my book. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, like what really got me going, Sam was writing a book that, that, that's got, that got my attention. I have ADD. I write about it at length. And for me to just focus on a task from start to finish really was kind of the, the, um, the, the catalyst that got me into this next realm of learning and, and, uh, education that I, that I'm on right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with the leadership links, you got involved in that, you raised a lot of money. And then from that, uh, it's my understanding you now have uh, a nonprofit. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. is just, I mean, how many 19 year olds have nonprofits? I have no idea. Uh, not it's, many. It, <laughs> it, you know, it's it's not easy juggling it as a 19 year old, but I've got a, a an unbelievable support system. And um, I wouldn't be able to do it without, you know, my both my parents, um, my partner, my other co-founder, Noah, uh, his parents, uh, Nancy and Zach, they're, they're incredible. You know, it's, I, I guess I didn't realize what we were getting into until we got into it. I guess, I guess it's just kind of how, how business and nonprofits go in general. Um, but, but it's a, it's a ton of fun being able to, uh, to advocate for, for stuff I'm so passionate about. And I'm, I'm excited to see what we'll be able to do in the future. Well, if you, if you think you're not making an impact, uh, which I, I don't think that's true, but if you ever consider that you're not making an impact, I'll tell you right now, uh, in my whole circle of people out here, your name's a household name. Um, that's a, you that's have, you have led, you have, you have legendary <laughs> mythical status here in Iowa. Uh, I have Ian's friends that know you like a, they, they've probably never met you. Some of them, mm -hmm. I think have, have reached out to you possibly. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, and they really, uh, look up to you. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's courageous what you've done. Why don't you tell me in your own words, what, what is suicidal ideation? What, what, what is the concept and um, how are you uh, portraying this to people when you talk to them? How are you putting it in terms that they can understand? Absolutely. So um, I think uh, a lot of time, although suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation uh, aren't necessarily the same thing, they're very similar. Um, and I think with with many things, uh, the, there's kind of like a t continuum of suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation. And what I mean by this is, it's not like uh, it's not a categorical where it's like you either have suicidal thoughts or you don't. Um, sometimes it's it's you know minimal suicidal ideation where um, where it's it's maybe thoughts of suicide but no plan or action is taking. Sometimes a plan's made but an action isn't. Um, so it, it's really just a, on the basis of severity. And um, what I try to do is is I try to educate people on or. or inform people about my own experiences. I can't speak on behalf of, of others. I feel like it would be unfair and unjust of me to do so. Um, but, but the thing with me is 
I, I'm very blunt and, and very honest about my experiences. I think uh, the only way for us to grow with these conversations is, is if you walk away and it, and it hurts a little bit. Um, these right. conversations aren't supposed to feel good. Um, you know, and, um, uh, it, and of course, I, I think it's, it's nearly impossible to sugarcoat suicide. Um, and, and I've, I've kind of made it my mission to, um, to, to not glorify any of these things, but, but expose the truth and realities that, that people haven't been able to see for such a long time. Let me, let me peel back a little bit of what you said there that really kind of mm -hmm. caught my attention is that the ideation is different than the thought. Mm -hmm. And as ignorant as I was on this, I just thought that suicidal ideation was just the thought. But then when mm -hmm. I started, when I started reading some of your writing and there's a, there's a spectrum, almost like aut autism, there's a spectrum yeah. out there. There's mm -hmm. a spectrum out there where there's different levels of it. And, you know, one time I remember um, my dad's a retired doctor and he's, um, he's very uh, in tune with, you know, death and dying and all these things. And I remember one time he told me, he said, you know, the thought of suicide itself is not abnormal. It's not. Yeah. Most human beings that have ever lived and are currently living at one point, the idea popped into their head and, and, and they didn't put it there. It just showed up and it could have yeah, been, stress, yeah. it could have been in a stressful moment. It could have been a divorce. It could have been a bankruptcy filing. It could have been a, uh, you know, an, an affair that they had some type of infidelity or something that happened to them sexually. Um, and then I have this fleeting thought. It doesn't mean that you're thinking about suicide. Mm -hmm. It just means that thought showed up in your head. And I know you're yeah. a meditator. I know yeah. you meditate. Uh -huh. I just got done meditating this morning and you learn that thoughts just come into your head. It Absolutely. doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that, that you, you planted that thought there. They just show up and that the key is you have to let the thought die. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, and so I, I was just kind of astounded when you said that ideation and the thought of suicide are different. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any more clarity on that for people listening? I, I wanted to make the point there that thinking about suicide isn't abnormal. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so exactly like you just said, you, I, I think you, uh, you put it wonderfully like, uh, suicidal thoughts are, you know, kind of, I, I'd say more more intrusive, um, not as, uh, I I'd say suicidal ideation is more on the side of, you know, you spend a, a, a period of time, whether it's significant or not, but, um, repetitive or, or a bit longer than, than maybe a, a single intrusive thought pondering the, the idea of suicide. Um, mm -hmm. that's my understanding of it. It's, it's no clinical explanation. Um, so I would consider a lot of things that, uh, it, for, um, taking myself as an example, I would consider the times where I spent days and, and weeks and months uh, in a row contemplating suicide and taking my own life. That's absolutely suicidal ideation. That's something yep. that I spent a significant amount of time thinking about. Whereas suicidal thoughts can be, uh, and this is going to sound morbid, but I, I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking, and I randomly think out of the back of my head out of nowhere, yeah wow, I could drive myself off the road right now and kill myself. And right. it's, it sounds horrible, but that's, that's the, the, how I differentiate it. Um, you know, very, very kind of random, um, not, uh, you can have depression. You can not have depression. I, a lot of times I think quite frankly, it's not linked to, to mental illness. It's just something that, that comes up dependent on the circumstances. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure you probably know who Anthony Bourdain is, right? Yes. The, mm -hmm. Okay. And I write about him in my book as well, that, you know, here is a guy that from the on, from the outside had it all, you know, I mean, he's an yeah. older guy, very, very stoic looking, very, uh, you know, just confident, articulate, engaging with other humans. Just, you know, again, somebody you wouldn't imagine in France hanging himself yeah. in his closet. But when I did some research and I found out that his mom was interviewed and she was saying, you know, Anthony was um, the last person on the planet that I thought would kill myself. And it dawned on me that those are typically the ones that that do the ones you don't expect. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't run around talking to people with I'm thinking of suicide on my forehead. Exactly. You know, and so the stigma, Sam, is where I and you and I are two voices that we're trying to amplify and, and magnify and get this stigma. And you talked about um, the, 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 the thought of suicide as, as a, to me, it's just a normal part of what your brain does. I, mm -hmm. I think there's two people in your head and they go back and forth. And one's like the, the negative positive person. The other one's the give up, quit. You can't do it, Sam. Mm -hmm. And as, as you, as you fight these two people, as they're talking to each other, you then yourself sits back and kind of watches these two people. Well, you want to give fuel to the fire, to the one that's stronger. And, and again, whatever coping mechanisms you can find. And for me, it's been meditation. It's been writing a book. It's been starting a blog. It's been doing a podcast. That's really helped me zero in on beating these, these negative thoughts that I've had, like maybe starting drinking again, um, you know, maybe living a, a destructive lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, I just am absolutely amazed at what you're doing at 19 years old and I just uh, look back at 19 when I was your age, Sam, I wasn't doing anything <laughs> that you're doing <laughs> healthy, healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a product of high school in the eighties when there was no cell phones and no computers. And, you know, we just, we, we drank beer and, and that's what we did. And we, we messed around and didn't take anything serious and there wasn't any, um, information out there to help us with these these issues, and actually, it was looked at as a as a problem child, like you said. You know, hey, you know, here comes Sam walking into a room. Here's the kid that talks about suicide all the time. You know, stay away from him. Yeah, you know, yeah. And that, that was the stigma. Now it's like I think people see you and they want to come up to you. Mm -hmm. I think now you're you're attracting people as opposed to repelling them, and I congratulate you on that. Um, I did want to take a moment, if you're okay. Yeah, I want to read. It. I want to read something that was very impactful for me, and um, and you write a blog that's mm -hmm. called Out of the Dark, mm -hmm. and can you give me a few seconds on what the genesis was behind that and kind of how that's going? Then I want to read you an excerpt that I put in my book that really impacted me, uh, probably more than almost anything I wrote in my book. Yeah, so I think for me, um, I I recognized that especially for um, for things that I, I wanted to educate people on or talk about um, that maybe wasn't uh, suitable for, you know, like an Instagram caption or, or a tweet. I, I needed some other way to communicate that with people. Um, and I, I thought about different ways I could go about doing that, whether it's like a, um, like a quick podcast or, um, you know, like some of the videos I do on Instagram. Quite frankly, right. it's, a, it's a combination of the two. Um, uh, with the videos on Instagram and the blog. 
Um, but but really just a, a way for me to communicate what I'm thinking, uh, my thoughts and and different discoveries in the mental health field uh, in a bit more depth depth than I'd be able to um, on social media. Well, I will tell you what you write is raw, authentic, <laughs> scary, um, courageous. I could go on and on and on, but I'm going to read an ex excerpt here. And, um, you know, to me, what's amazing is you, you wrote some of this stuff after you had came out publicly about your suicidal ideation. So one myth out there, Sam is, Hey, Sam addressed this. It's over. He's done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he won. He conquered it. You know, it's like, no, no, no. It's every day. It's every yeah. day. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What, what many people don't know is, is right before the pandemic and um, kind of in, in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of when I was writing these blog posts and social media posts, I was sent to out like very, very intensive outpatient therapy for suicidal ideation. I was, hmm. I was admitted in, in mid February um and and got out i believe it was either late february so actually just coming up to about a year now um since then or or early march and then the pandemic hit mm -hmm. and that that it, making that transition from from intensive therapy to you know uh, a global pandemic isn't easy i i wouldn't expect it to be um and and it's you know i still have some of these intrusive thoughts um you know, with right. depression, anxiety, and, and feel these things today, you know, just because I'm, I'm writing them doesn't mean I'm feeling good, feeling great. I feel like right. a lot of times my most powerful writing or my most powerful posts come from when I'm at my lowest. And it's sometimes me too. it's me too, completely. Exactly. It's, it's, it's just, uh, not only is it fresh in your mind, but I, I feel like uh, when you're kind of having the, uh, like an existential crisis or whatever you want to call it, I, I think, uh, your your perspective of the world and 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 your views change quite significantly in a way that for me is is beneficial and and I'm really able to grow from it. So um, it's 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 quite special. One thing I learned, Sam, in in in, in writing um, all my writings I've done is that trauma and addiction you you never get over trauma. Mm -hmm. You don't get over addiction. What you need to do is make it part of the fabric of your story. And almost in an odd sense, be proud of your uniqueness. Mm -hmm. And so the fact, I don't know how I could say this without sounding callous, but quite honestly, this is my podcast, so I don't Absolutely. care. <laughs> is, is, you know, when my son died, I looked at it as an opportunity, as, mm -hmm. as, as a gift from life to allow me to do things that I wouldn't have done had that not happened. And so my, my weird mind took this as, as, okay, Jeff, I, I can either just let him die and, and, and the memories fade, everything goes away, or I can mm -hmm. embrace this as one hell of an opportunity to do something simultaneously help people, but more importantly, probably help me. And I know you telling your story, I know you're trying to help people, but you're also really trying to help Sam. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say, a lot of the stuff that I do is, is my greatest coping strategy. Um, right. You know, I, my, one thing that my mom always tells me is that, you know, uh, or uh, we always go back and forth about, you know, the numbers game. It's like, Oh, how many people do you think you're reaching them? And I'm like, you know, I don't care how many people I'm reaching as long as I'm helping one person, 
yeah. uh, it's all worth it. And at the end of the day, she always says, you know, uh, but you're helping yourself too. And that counts as that one person. Sometimes I forget that I count as that person that I'm helping. Um, so, hmm. so having, having that. that, having that advice is, is really special. And, um, and it, it's an, in, it's an interesting way of, of, uh, viewing it, but it's definitely something that helps me, especially like I, uh, mentioned previously when I'm in those situations where I feel like that little bit of regret towards maybe a post or, or saying something, that's what really makes me feel, uh, kind of at ease and, and comfortable with everything I do. You know, I often think of myself when I'm in these scenarios where I'm having a depressive moment or I'm down, I'm thinking to myself, well, the worst possible outcome is X. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to avoid the worst possible outcome. So mm -hmm. maybe I'm in a fetal position. I'm crying. I'm sick to my stomach. I, I, I'm, I'm reliving, which I try not, I try not to do the negative things that happened to me in my past. But when I do go back in time, uh, I keep the, the, the time in those moments very short and yeah. fleeting and um but anyway my add kicked in there i got distracted but no uh, worries that's okay right. so this is my book i'm not going to brag about the cover but uh <laughs> you know that's that's my book uh but um you're a key part in the in the book but here's a here's a here's a part that i wrote in here from your blog that you did called out of the dark and i'm gonna read i'm gonna read both of them if that's okay absolutely i wrote, I wrote them side by side this first one okay uh I'll just start it off and I'll give the date. Something is wrong with me. I feel like I want to die again and I don't know where or why it started. I think it has lasted for about a month now, but I am entirely unsure. I have lost motivation to do anything or everything. Should I kill myself? What do I have to live for? And that was in January 25th of 2020. Mm -hmm. And in two days, that would have been a year. Yeah, that that's actually really interesting to bring that up. I didn't know that. And that was that was one year just, ago. Think about that, Sam. It's it's, it's look it's at incredible. all look at all the tremendous things you've done in that past year, you know? It's 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 been a, a fun journey and and it that was just days before I I reached out for help and I think probably about uh, a week or or two weeks before uh, I was sent to therapy. So it's, it's actually, I didn't know it was, it was coming up on a year, which is actually kind of cool. Well, cool, but not cool at the same time, but it's interesting. No, it's maybe. cool, man. One year ago and look, look what you've done, man. I mean, it's yeah. just, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely unbelievably proud of you, man. And if you, you, if you ever have those thoughts and don't put me on your call list, I'm going to come <laughs> out there personally and shake you. All right. Thank you. I um, appreciate that. Here's the next one. Three weeks ago, I almost killed myself. In days prior, I had thought about how I would have done it. Would I drink bleach that sits just feet away from my bedroom? Would I take the chef's knife in my kitchen and slit my throat? Or would I take the same belt I wear every day and hang myself, only for my parents to find my lifeless corpse in the closet? And that was a, that was. That was what you gave as a speech in your English class. I yeah. can imagine what your friends were thinking. I, I, Dude, I come was, on, man. What's going yeah. on? I, I was, I was kind of crazy for doing that. I'm not going to lie. But um, no, you're yeah. not crazy, man. You're, you're <laughs> honest. And you're uh, honest. I, yeah, it was a, it was a really, really special. Uh, it was, it was a really cool project we had um, where it was something, some social um the social issue um that we got to speak on and i was like all right i'm taking this thing and running with it 
Um, and that was, I think that was like the first line I talked about. Um, and, and I, I, right after I said it, I looked around at people and the reaction was exactly (laughs) as I would have expected. Um, but, but everyone in that class knows who I am and what I do. So hopefully it wasn't all out of the ordinary. See, I know people are watching this saying, how in the hell can Jeff and Sam be laughing and smiling and all this, you know, and I, I don't, I, you know what, to me, it's just like, you know, that's how we're going to win this game. That's mm-hmm. how we're going to win addiction and substance abuse and mental health and suicide ideation and, and depression and anxiety is to F and laugh at it. You know, just yeah. don't take it that seriously. It's not abnormal to have these thoughts. It's not abnormal. That's why I don't use the word alcoholic and sober and recovery. I absolutely mm-hmm. hate labels. I hate, yeah. I hate, uh, I, I hate labels even like suicide or, or, um, you know, whatever uh, bipolar or depression. I just, yeah. You know, you're a human being. Mm-hmm. That's the only label you need. You don't need any other label. And Absolutely. I'll go through my whole journey here and I'll, I'll never tell people I, I'm an alcoholic. I, I was, but mm-hmm. not anymore. Yeah. And I read a blog about, you know, if I, if I drank for a long time and quit drinking mm-hmm. and then I'm talking to some friends, you know, I, I'm not going to stand up and say, hi, I'm Jeff. I'm an alcoholic of because course. I'm not anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, Again, I just I think it's it's amazing of the intensity, and you're a very good writer. And if you don't write a book, uh, I, I'm going to be upset with you because I really I really think that's the next evolution for Sam Gary is to mm-hmm. is to write a book. And I want to definitely help you in um, in structuring it and coming up with some some angles to approach because you're very well written. You're very articulate. I think you'd be. Have you thought about doing a book? I'm just curious i have i have thought about it i'm not gonna lie i don't really have any clue where to start but uh i'll help I, you i i've um i you know kind of i i've thought a lot about where i'd want to go with it um uh, would it be a, a book about my own story or things i've learned or um so that's something i've i've definitely thought about and i'm thinking about and, and my dad was definitely pushing for it a bit during the uh, lockdown when i had nothing to do anyways right. um so uh, it's definitely something I'm looking into and, and something that I hope to pursue very soon. You know, when I, go, I look back at my experience and I had never written a, a, a book before I've written articles and things like that, but I, the mistake I made early on is I, I thought around, I thought, what, what am I going to call my book? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't come up with the name of my book. This one's for you till I was probably, probably 25, 30% into my book. Mm-hmm. And so my suggestion to you would just be start writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just start writing spontaneous things. And then later on, put them in chapters and reorganize them and all that. Instead of sitting down trying to just think of this progression of, you know, it just because you'll just get you'll get anal- paralysis by analysis and you'll you'll end up doing nothing. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the statistics, if we look at look at this stuff, Sam, I mean, you're looking at 150,000 people uh, last year died from suicide, overdose and alcoholism. You're looking at 11 year time span evaporates before someone is um, uh, has a symptom of suicide before they actually get treatment. I mean, a decade, a decade of of many, many times that suicide could have won. And we need we need to move that up. We need to get people to go in and get treatment quicker and not wait 11 years. Um, Mm -hmm. 17% of youths today experience some type of a mental health disorder. I have to think that's higher. I, I can't, I can't imagine yeah. just 17%. Absolutely, these are, yeah. these are pre-COVID. These are pre-COVID numbers. Uh, suicide's the number two uh, cause of death for um, 
Americans between the ages of 10 and 34. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, this is all pre-COVID, but uh, anyway, yeah. I, I wanted to throw that out there that, you know, we need to keep doing this, have these conversations, um, and then look back and hopefully get these numbers to drop. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And uh, exactly to your point, it's uh, it, the thing that's so difficult with, with statistics, statistics surrounding um, suicide and psychological disorders in general is, you know, these are all self-reported. You have to think about the hundreds of thousands, if not potentially millions or whatever that number is that uh, are unwilling to share that stuff. And obviously, understandably so. But like you said, that's 17% of, of young adults affected. That's 110% way higher. Hey, um, this is pretty spontaneous, but I have a surprise for you. Oh, let's do it. Okay. Give me a second. Hey, what's up? What's what's up, Ian? How you doing? Good, how are you? Good, good. How are things? Uh, are you are you going back to school soon? Uh, yeah. So I'm just here for the weekend. Um, I got here yesterday pretty late, and then just decided to come back for the weekend because I got nothing else to do. So awesome. Good. Awesome. Good to see you, man. Yeah, same with you. How's everything been? Good, good. Yeah, it's been been crazy out here um obviously with the with the covid stuff and everything um mm -hmm. i mean boston's doing all right with it but obviously not doing doing great but uh yeah but yeah we're we're, we're getting there for sure just trying to 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 stay occupied and, and play as much golf as i can to, to take my mind off of everything mm -hmm. do you guys have like a lot of snow out there or anything or like how's the weather? actually this year we've gotten like nothing which is i think especially as a golfer it's kind of nice um yeah uh normally when we do get snow normally it's pretty bad like i'd say probably about a month ago um we had uh i don't know uh about a foot or maybe a bit more um but like since all of january and like most of december we've had nothing which has been uh been interesting how about you guys uh we got 11 inches in like yeah. one night like Jeez. about like two weeks ago three weeks ago so <laughs> and it's still pretty Pretty much snowy out there. Uh, it's really cold. Up in South Dakota, we got quite a bit of snow too. We got a lot overnight, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. but not like golf weather. So I just golf inside as of now. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because normally, so I feel like every year it's either like a huge hit or a huge miss, and it seems like this year is just going to be a huge miss for us, which is yeah. weird, especially being being in the Northeast. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, just just take or taking what we can how's yeah. uh how's golf been and everything uh pretty good uh my game's been pretty decent uh played a couple tournaments over the the winter and did all right but uh kind of improved my game a lot since last year so it's that's good yeah i saw you guys were in florida right uh yeah so i went early kind of like mid-december and kind of just played down there for a weekend trip and that was pretty fun that's sick yeah awesome awesome uh, do you, you uh it's going pretty well. Um, uh, I mean, like you, I'm I'm fortunate to have a, a pretty nice uh, indoor facility down the street from where I'm at. Uh, mm -hmm. Pure Drive Golf, which is awesome. We have we have a bunch of TrackMan in there, so um, so it's it's definitely nice to have that. And obviously, with no snow, as long as it's not like freezing cold, I can still like get out and hit balls. So mm -hmm. um, I, everything's everything's going well. I probably haven't played like a legitimate round in like way too long. Um, <laughs> uh <laughs> now that uh the courses are are closed but uh but yeah i mean swing feels better than it ever has which is frustrating because it's like 
January, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but hopefully I, it'll, you know, hold on for at least a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have another question for you. So I was going to ask, like, what are your long-term goals? Like, what do you want to like do? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, in terms of the, the mental health stuff, um, I'd like to, to, to really see how, how kick it for a cause grows right now. We are primarily the kickball tournament, now the scholarship, but our goal for 2021 is to move into more legislative efforts, um, Mm -hmm. in, in Massachusetts, um, primarily when it comes to, uh, in school education of uh, faculty administrators and students, um, Mm -hmm. especially in my high school, that's something, or, or, uh, high school I graduated from in 2020. Um, it's something that I'm, I'm really pushing for right now. Um, so, so that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, and obviously keeping up my own individual advocacy work, um, going through undergrad, um, it's, it's a really unique opportunity. Um, cause obviously I, I feel like, uh, mental health issues are, are definitely an issue, um, in, in colleges, obviously in, in mm-hmm. middle high school, but, but especially in, in university. Um, and, and there are wonderful programs like, like active minds, um, which works around the country and, um, and, and helps, uh, different schools build kind of like chapters and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, hopefully as far as personal stuff for the future, I, I hope to go to grad school and, um, become a, a, a licensed psychologist, um, to just learn more about this stuff and, and hopefully study suicide going into the future. It sounds super weird, but it's just, it, it's so, so fascinating to me. Yeah. Kind um, of staying ahead on. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, as far as the golf stuff goes, um, right now I've, I've got a really sweet setup as, uh, working over at the place I mentioned, Pure Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, interested in, uh, really ad- advancing my amateur career as much as I can, hopefully mm-hmm. playing good golf over, uh, over the next four years and, and beyond. Um, and then kind of, kind of playing it by year. Um, you know, I, I've got a lot of awesome opportunities in both um, the mental health and the golf space. So while right now I, I want to go into psychology as a career, um, it, there's definitely a possibility where, uh, I go into, uh, a career with, whether it's the, the PGA or just golf in general, um, mm-hmm. definitely something that I'm, I'm fascinated in for sure, or fascinated yeah. by. That was not planned. Uh, <laughs> he popped his head in here and I wrote on a piece of paper, come over here. <laughs> um, no, I just thought it'd be nice to have people watching this um, see two college kids that yeah. together together are involved in nonprofits and have raised, I don't know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to help people deal with things that, you know, adults should be helping adults, not not kids, you know, and that's, yeah. that's the great thing about you guys is you're, you are, um, you know, kind of setting this template out there that it's okay to at any age to come out with these things. And I, I can't yeah. tell you, and I'm sure you're the same way, Sam, the number of people I meet each day that by me kind of becoming vulnerable, start now opening up to their stories. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, I think the Ian's question, I didn't hear the answer and I'm not going to have you repeat it, but you know, do you have a, do you have a, I don't want to say an end game, but do you have a, a strategy here, how this will play out for you? Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think my my primary goal right now within the mental health space, um, looking at the future after undergrad, I definitely want to pursue grad school and, and study uh, suicide and, and hopefully become a licensed psychologist. Um, Good for you, man. Uh, something that, you know, just to stay as involved in pos as possible. I mean, I, I love this stuff. Um, as dark as it may seem, you know, studying suicide, its causes, um, methods, whatever it may be is, is extremely fascinating. And I think it's the only way forward. Um, if we're, we're going to work on prevention, I think, um, as far as my advocacy stuff goes, I think quite frankly, especially from someone my own age, it's, uh, the concept of, of being like, uh, I, I, like you said, I, I don't like the labels, but if you were going to put something to it as an advocate or an act activist, um, especially as a 19 year old, it's something that's so new for Gen Z and the 21st century that it's one of those things where I kind of just want to keep plugging away and see where it takes me because it's, it's hard, you know, there's, there's no way to figure out an end to end game. I will say though, I, I don't want, you know, when people look back on, on what I've done, I, 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 I don't want to be seen as, as, you know, just an, an advocate or an activist. I'd, I'd like to make right. more of an effort in the academic realm or professional as, um, as a, a doctor or, or whatever it may be. I, I feel like, you know, just obviously advocating for it and, and being uh, sort of in activism is important, um, but there's so much more to it and it's much more complex than that. So if you weren't doing this or golfing in college, what would Sam Gary be doing? Ah, uh, that's a, that's a really tough question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, um, if, if I absolutely had to choose one, I think I would, I, I would choose the mental health stuff and it's not a matter of whether I love golf or the mental health stuff more because I think they're they're very very similar I I think it's because looking back in hindsight what caused me a lot of stress um what what caused me a lot of stress growing up as a teenager was uh, highly and don't get me wrong I loved every minute of it but highly competitive golf you know tournament golf and the recruiting process oh I um, totally it, agree it was that took so much uh mental and physical energy for years and years to the point where i recognized that not what i i don't love the competitiveness of the game or the competition what i love is just the game itself um, right you know in a, in a casual manner you know whether it's getting out with my dad and 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 really being able to um to to foster those relationships or, or just being outside and, and enjoying the game I love. So um, it's, it, it, I, would, I would definitely choose, I, I, I'm definitely willing to, to give up the competitive side, side of the game um, to be able to, to enjoy, um, enjoy it recreationally a bit more, if that makes any sense. Uh, it makes tremendous sense. And, and I, I imagine the amount of angst and stress and I'm, I'll say sleepless nights that this yeah. whole process of trying to get Ian into a college golf program, I can only imagine the pressure on the kids. Yeah. I mean, if this is, if this is <laughs> dad's stress, I mean, you guys have to make the four foot par putt, not me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I, I will say there's, 
there's there's nothing scarier than knowing a potential college golf scholarship is on the line and, and watching right. a drive sale OB. There's nothing scarier than that. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, I mean, I, I guess I kind of got used to it, but uh, I'm I'm gl- I I won't lie. I'm I'm glad that that those those days of recruiting are over. I, I have a chapter of my book uh, called Golf Saved My Life, and mm-hmm. it almost ended my life, too. Um, <laughs> I, I say that jokingly, obviously. Yeah, in, the yeah. con- in the context of our conversation we're having, I'm, a- I'm allowed to joke about that. But yeah, um, it really did save my life. I mean, it, uh, it gave me an intense focus. It gave me an outlet, which is a segue into a question I have for you. Um, what are the obvious coping mechanisms for Sam Gary? And what are some coping mechanisms that you are interested in maybe learning or entertaining as you get older? Absolutely. So I think, um, you know, like you alluded to previously, meditation has actually been awesome. I think it gets kind of a bad rap, especially for for young people, but it's actually so much more beneficial than I could have ever imagined. Right. Um, You know, getting out on the golf course too, just getting out in nature, whether it's going for, for a quick walk or... Um, spending time with people I love. Um, I've also noticed just in general, it's more of an abstract construct, but this idea of, of flow. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, um, is some, I, I totally forget his name. I'm drawing a blank right now, but, but flow in psychology is essentially the concept of, um, doing activities that, uh, that challenge you and entertain you enough to the point where you feel like, uh you, like you lose track of time you're just so into it um it's it's proper it's not too too difficult or unreasonably challenging um and, and an example of this is i think i believe it was it was a post made a few weeks ago where you were talking about uh about meditation and you didn't even notice the the rain was hitting you or that it started right. raining this, this right. idea that activities that where you get so into it that you don't even recognize um uh you're so into it that maybe like i mentioned you don't recognize the passage of time it's cool it sounds weird but it's really cool um and and things like that you know and and that can be meditating being on the golf course uh having really deep and important conversations with with family and friends um so uh i i'm really trying to find for coping strategies for me um, things that, that really kind of entertain that, um, if that makes any sense or, 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 uh, help me achieve flow. Um, which well, is really, a, a, go ahead. Sorry. No, no worries. Um, so, so that's something I think I forget when I first picked it up, it was, a, it was a few years ago. Um, but, but it's something that, uh, it really helps me broaden my scope on, on potential coping strategies, um, as opposed to, um, looking at, at certain activities and saying, oh, that seems weird. I'm not going to do it or, um, or whatever it may be. So it's, it's been a, a, a really, um, it, it's been a great beacon of light, um, for lack of a better term to, to kind of steer me in the right direction with that stuff. You know, one of the things that benefits for me for meditation, especially with ADD is it's extremely, uh, easy for me to get, get distracted mm-hmm. by, by thought. Yeah. Um, good, good and bad thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and anyone out there watching this uh, either has some type of a, I call it a superpower. ADD to me is not a curse. It's a blessing. But, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's OCD. Maybe it's um, 
whatever you have that that's kind of holding you back from moving on emotionally. Yeah. Meditation for me, Sam, two things. One, I go into it each session with zero expectations. Mm -hmm. And some people think they're going to elevate to some spiritual realm yeah. and be their maker and see their pets and all this stuff. And they're like, they're mm -hmm. all like, and then they, you sit there and you go, okay, now that's happening. You know, and it's like, and then yeah. they quit. And it's because they have just these unrealistic expectations. The other Absolutely. thing I learned about meditation, Sam, and this is where suicidal ideation, thoughts of suicide, thoughts of drinking alcohol, thoughts of having marijuana or, you know, snorting Coke or smoking yeah. marijuana. These thoughts are okay. It's the actions we have to kill. It's Absolutely. the thought. I mean, I, I don't drink and occasionally a thought pops into my head. Mm -hmm. Okay. There it is. See you later. It just kind of drifts off. And yeah. if I was, if I was contemplating suicide, I would embrace it as it's not abnormal. Mm -hmm. It's going to pop into my head. It could be when I hang up with you, it could be um, when I get a call and something bad happens. Uh, but you know what? There it is. And there it goes. Yeah. And, and I think for me, that moment you mentioned when I was on vacation and, and um, my son and I were scuba diving and I found this rock where I meditated. And I, mm -hmm. I've been doing meditation for a while now and I've never had this experience. So this is a very rare experience. But I was sitting on this rock it was 84 degrees and I decided to do a 20 minute. No, I did a 30 minute meditation. Normally mm -hmm. I do like 10. I do 10 each morning. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it, 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 10 works for me, but I did 30 because I thought, you know, this is beautiful. The ocean's here. So like you see in those pictures, I had my arms, you know, I'm sitting there all relaxed. Yeah. Uh, and I just got into this, this place. I, I can't mm -hmm. explain it. It was a, not even a dream state because I was, I was, I was, cognizant or conscious of my awareness but when i came out i noticed the temperature drop like 15 degrees i was actually kind of shivering i was yeah. i was wet <laughs> and i looked out there and there's this, this storm coming in from the ocean i'm like what the hell man did i just catapult <laughs> myself into some what just parallel universe <laughs> <laughs> and and i came back and the people that were watching me were like wow jeff we just thought you were just come out of it and come over because it started raining and stuff and, and i had to write about it i thought you know that's that's an epiphany moment for me that after so many years of meditation i finally had that one session mm -hmm. that i can honestly say I thought I'd have on my first session. Yeah. You know, and it's going to keep me going back. It's going to keep mm -hmm. me going back now. And you know, the next session I had, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. I just sat there. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so I think, I think part of the coping mechanisms that we have as, as, as people that choose not to drink or people that choose not to kill themselves or, um, are, are, are continually seeking, continually searching. And so I am now going to talk about, uh, or I'm not talking about, but now I'm, I'm looking at yoga, trying. Yeah. I'm very inflexible at 54. I, I run on my elliptical. I stretch. I'm trying to stay. I eat healthy. But there's something about my back in the mornings that's a little bit sore. My hamstrings are tighter. You know, and, and you're 19. You don't have to worry about being inflexible. Um, but it's coming. That day's coming. Yeah. But, and so yoga, I thought, what a great compliment to meditation. Yeah. Well, then I then I decided that when I was on my trip uh, last week that I was going to take up biking, mm -hmm. and so I'm going to go when spring comes. I'm going to get a bike. I'm going to I'm going to learn how to go out, and I'm not going to bike in groups of 
20 people and then mm-hmm. they go to bars and get drunk and they go to the next bar and get drunk. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't need, I don't want the public affirmation of biking. I'm doing mm-hmm. this to complement my meditation and my yoga. And yeah. so I went back to my original question to you. So coping mechanisms, do you have anything that you are interested in learning or doing new that something that you can add to your, your, uh, an arrow to another quiver in your quiver that you have for this? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Actually, the point that you brought up about yoga is really interesting because I never thought about it in in combination with meditation, but I think the two could actually work. Uh, I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure there are some studies about that, but um, they they seem like they would work tremendously together. And that's, uh, I mean, now that you bring it up, it's something that, that I'd definitely be interested in looking into as well. Um, I really like the idea of, of anything and everything kind of outdoors. Um, I'm not going to lie, especially during the pandemic. I, I was a bit more hesitant about that stuff. Not because, not because of the pandemic or, or me being worried about certain things. It's, it's me, me just being like, not a very outdoorsy person, except for when I was on the golf course, which is super weird. But now I kind of, I've learned to embrace it a little bit. And part of that's because that's a, that's a huge part of the culture up in, uh, up in Maine and up at Bates at school. Um, so things like you mentioned, like biking or hiking or, um, just going for a walk, you know, things that I, I kind of take for granted and, and maybe don't, um, uh, appreciate as much as I should and, and, and recognize the, the true value of it, you know, mm-hmm. things like, uh, you know, obviously I've, I've ridden a bike since I was, you know, seven years old. Um, but I've, I've, I've always just kind of thought of it as this, like, relatively menial activity um when in reality it's it's something that i i'd really like to look into more so um and it kind of goes it goes back to that point of of just finding flow just finding just just kind of uh i think one way to word is just getting into the zone something that Hmm. uh that that really pulls all of my attention in um and is is really fulfilling and and uh really really makes me content is flow the same as living in the moment? Um, I'd say so. Absolutely. I'd say there are, uh, there are definitely, uh, a few differences. I wouldn't know them exactly, but I'd say absolutely. It's, it's, I think flow is, is achieving like, uh, peak mindfulness, exactly to your point, living in the moment, you know, being so, um, enthralled in, in what you're doing to the point where nothing else matters. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, really fascinating. And, and obviously, like you said, with your meditation, it's, it's not something that happens every time you do an activity and it's not something that you can just kind of flip a switch and, and tune into, but, but when it does happen, it's, it's really, really special. And, um, it's something that, that people should definitely be taking advantage of when it's there. It's funny you said that because I had a friend of mine one time telling me, well, geez, meditation must be great to be able to sit there and control your thoughts and like this mind altering experience. I said, it's just the opposite. Yeah. You're just, all you're doing is just witnessing your thoughts. You're not even mm-hmm. judging them. Uh-huh. And sometimes you'll have the strangest things come in. I do guided meditation. So I have a voice that kind of talks me through it and then they stop for a few minutes and then they come back and get mm-hmm. you back into the breath. But you know, it's just this, the stigma of med- meditation is just comical to me because it's just the opposite of what people thought think. Yeah. I'm not sitting around controlling my thoughts, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's just, it's so opposite of that. I'm just sitting around welcoming my thoughts. They come in, I watch them disappear, 
I go back to my breathing, you know, and I try, you know, I'm not even trying not to think, you know, yeah. you just, it's, it's a matter of being your aware of your ability to be aware, you mm -hmm. know, it's really strange. Yeah. Hey, I got a couple questions for you as we kind of wrap this up. Um, sure. I have massively enjoyed this and, um, I, uh, I'll, I'll get you on, on the show down the road, but, um, what show are you watching right now on Netflix? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I'm more, I, I'm not a big show guy. I'm more of a documentary kind of guy. One documentary that I, I watched too. at the, at the, at the beginning, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, uh, I, one of my favorite things on Netflix, I think it's still on there is inside Bill's brain with Bill Gates. That's like the coolest thing ever being able to just, that. it's, it's uh, for, for some people, you know, talking about, uh, you know, sewage and, and nuclear energy for some people, it's, it's a, it's a bit over their head and, and they wouldn't like, uh, especially people my own age are like, who cares anyways. Right. Um, but it's, it's super, super fascinating to be able to, to dig in a bit into the life of, of, uh, you know, individuals who have, who have made a significant impact, you know, with Bill Gates and the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation and the work that they're doing is something that I really idolize. And, um, I, I wish I could say I was, I was more of like a, a show person, like everyone else my age. Um, but, but I, I guess I just always enjoy, enjoy learning from other people. Sam, you, Sam, you don't want to be like everyone else your age. Keep being <laughs> Sam. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason you're on my show and they're not. Um, but uh, what book are you reading right now? Uh, uh, so I actually just finished up, um, finished up rereading uh, this one's for you this this past week. I've read it like three times already. Um, but but a new book that I'm getting into right now. Um, I one thing that you talked about in your book that I kind of like really agree with is I read like multiple books at the same time. Um, right. it's just kind of how my mind works. I can't sit down and like bullet through one, one whole thing. So one book that I'm reading right now, um, is, is guns and suicide. So that talks hmm. specifically about, uh, firearm deaths and suicide statistics. I totally forget the author. That's totally my fault. Um, um, but it's, it's, it's really fascinating and it, and it, it obviously takes the approach from a very analytical sense. The, the author is a professor, I believe in either missouri or mississippi uh, somewhere but it's it's really really interesting and in another book i'm reading it's it's kind of embarrassing that i'm only reading this book for the first time but man's search for meeting by victor frankl i think that's i was just gonna say that <laughs> that's that's a that's a that's a class i mean i i, I have learned more i have read more through the first 10 pages of that book than i have in probably anything I've ever read ever. Um, it's, I was just uh, going I mean, to I, say that book. You took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. So I, 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 it's like I said, it's kind of embarrassing that I'm just now reading it for the first time, but it is unbelievable. Embarrassing. I, I started reading it at 52. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I, I, I heard of it for, I've heard of it for the past two, two years ago. And it, it like it, I think part of the reason is, uh, first of all, before the pandemic, I wasn't much of a reader. Um, you know, I, I, I lied to myself and then said, oh, I don't have time to read. Um, but that just wasn't true. Um, and, and, you know, back in early 2020, maybe late 2019, when I, when I really started to get into it, um, I, 
I, I heard of the book again um, and was like, all right, I've got enough on my plate already and was just pushing it off. Why? I have no clue, but I, mm-hmm. I could not be happier that, I'm, uh, that I've, I've started to get back into it. I found an old, uh, on a TED Talk, uh, they had an old um, black and white video. It was like 1972, I think, of Viktor Frankl giving some presentation. I actually posted it on LinkedIn last night. Um, just mm-hmm. a big advocate of, of what, you know, how, how, how strong the human mind is when you change yeah. your attitude on things. And it's so easy for us to kind of take a cop out and start blaming things on diseases and start blaming things on our environment and start blaming things on our hereditary, whatever it may be. And that may be true, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean you have to go have 20 beers or you have to go commit suicide yeah. or just, just because you're mm-hmm. predisposed for these things doesn't predetermine your outcome. You follow Absolutely. me on that? Absolutely. And yeah, I think too many sure. people say, oh, my parents were alcoholics. My grandpa's an alcoholic. So I must be an alcoholic then, right? No, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I, I mean, that, that could be, maybe you are an mm-hmm. alcoholic. It doesn't mean you have to have 20 beers. That's substance yeah. abuse. So, mm-hmm. you know, so again, I, I, I think, you and I are trying to rewrite the narrative. And um, I will tell you one thing right now, you are going to write a book (laughs) and I am going to help motivate you by harassing you constantly about your book. (laughs) Um, Please do. I know I will because you need to put your thoughts on paper. So as you evolve your thoughts and you mature and grow and, and develop new ones, you can always refer back to that. And, and use it as a, as a kind of a starting point of where your, you know, your journey started. And I, my book now has even only been out for four months and I wrote it a year ago. I mean, started a year ago. I've already read stuff going, I've already changed my ideas on that. I've already changed my thoughts on that. And so I would suggest Sam that not only will your book help, you know, millions, I hope millions of people at the end of the day, it's going to help you develop and evolve into something that you are going to be completely different that you are today. And I know that's happened to me. And mm-hmm. for me, this whole process has been just a constant obsession with learning to, yeah. to a point where I have, I have a, such an intense focus of learning. I have to dial it back. I have to start looking at doing other things that take me away from reading obsessively. And, you know, <laughs> this project with my blog brings to me my, uh, my attention issues. And again, reminds me that I need to sometimes just practice what I preach, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I, do you have any last things you want to add? And I think for people watching this, um, where can they reach you? What, what website information do you have? Um, and then if people want to donate money, which I have, matter of fact, your organization was the first grant we made in on my nonprofit, the Choices Network that I started last March, uh, our first check. Now it wasn't like you know a million dollar donation we of made, course, but of course, um, yeah. your organization um, was the first recipient of a grant that we made from the Choices Network. So, how do people reach Sam Gary? And and also, if people want to have you on their podcast, if people want to have you as an interviewer, if people want to have you to write an article, how, how do people reach you, Sam? Absolutely. First of all, thank you so, so much for the, for the donation to kick it. I mean, it, it, it means so much to us. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, this, these past, what, two, two-ish years now that we've been, then been speaking have been absolutely wonderful and tremendous. 
Um, when it comes to reaching out to me, you can find me on um, on tw uh, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Sam V. Gary. Um, my, uh, the Instagram account for our nonprofit, uh, is at kick it for a cause. Um, our website for the nonprofit is kick it for a cause.org. Um, and the link to my personal blog is at garysnotes.com. Um, all of that information can be found, um, probably is easily most accessible, um, via my Instagram at Sam V. Gary, uh, where you can see everything else I'm working on. Um, with different organizations like the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, um, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, everything like that. Um, and if anyone has any inquiries at all, my email is also in my Instagram. Uh, so you'll be able to find me there. Well, I, um, I'm honored to have you on the show and I'm, I'm honored to be a part of your journey and, and you're part of mine. And um, Hopefully we can kind of start rewriting this whole uh, narrative and how people are uh, approaching mental health, addiction, substance abuse as something that's abnormal or a stigma. And you and I are, I think, trying our best to trying to let people know that, hey, it's just part of being human. We just, yeah. we just don't want, we just don't want the worst possible outcome to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, man, I, uh, I love you like a brother. Okay. And, um, I'm happy that you coordinated our outfits today. So you and I, absolutely, <laughs> you and I match, we look like two pumpkins. <laughs> um, and I'll keep following you. And, uh, uh, if you ever need uh, someone to talk to, you know, make sure you give me a call. Um, and, uh, and vice versa. If you see me calling at midnight, make sure you pick up the phone. That means I'm in a dark place. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on today. It was a, it was a pleasure to speak to you as always. All right, man. Keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you. All right. See you later, Jeff.